Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen. The Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Well, this is the Anarchist World this week. We've had a few technical issues which have now been resolved. I'm now holding the microphone. And if I let go of the microphone, you'll hear a noise. So will I hold the microphone for the next 56 minutes or will I let go? I've let go. Good. Now, if you wonder what anarchy is all about, anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. So don't worry. Don't worry. I've got somebody who's dying in the studio, but that's all right. I can give uh, external cardiac massage and possibly mouth-to-mouth. So if she decides to die, well, we'll we'll decide to resuscitate her. Don't worry. This is the Anarchist World this week, and I can assure you what you hear today, you won't hear tomorrow. Now, what are we going to talk about today? Well, there's a lot of issues to talk about, as we usually do in the Anarchist World this week. We'll keep you up to date with a few developments which we're involved in. But uh, more importantly, more importantly, what we will do is actually analyse what's happening in the world today, mainly Australia, but a little bit of overseas stuff occasionally. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? We live in interesting times. Now, we've seen a change of leadership in the Liberal National Party, and we've seen the fortunes of the Liberal National Party soar. And it's interesting how the mass media, the corporate-owned media, to a large degree and to a lesser degree the government guild at ABC, are actually able to massage the message. And it looks like Malcolm is the type of bloke everybody in the corporate-owned media likes. Well, they've been forced to like him because under the... past leader, I was going to say future leader because it's always a possibility, under our past leader it looked like the Liberal National Party was going to be consigned to political oblivion. So the paper on the Christmas present has been changed and it's glossy, it's bright, it's vibrant, isn't that dull grey colour we had before and hey presto, all of a sudden we are supposed to forget the Liberal National Party's agenda, as if it's day one, as happened in Cambodia in 1975. Uh, when Pol Pot took over, it was year one. and the Khmer Rouge took over, it was year one. 
you know, history is being rewritten. And it looks like we're supposed to accept the fact that the leopard has changed its spots and we find ourselves in a situation where we are told that this is a new Liberal Party. And when you see the way a Malcolm was treated by his own political party in New South Wales, where he was, you know, basically held up to derision, the Prime Minister of Australia, their Prime Minister, held up to derision, you can actually see there are forces within the Liberal Party which are basically keeping Malcolm in power in order to regain power at the next federal election. And what I find fascinating is that the Murdoch media and the Fairfax Empire have got two diametrically opposed strategies, but both strategies are there to support uh, Malcolm. Now, through gritted teeth, Murdoch and his minions has supported the transition of their uh, favourite boy, uh, the man who would give up his last breath to ensure that the richest people in this country would not pay one extra cent in tax. That's Mr Tony, the Right Honourable Retired Prime Minister, Mr Tony Abbott, or I should say Knifed Prime Minister. And they think that Malcolm, well, will keep him in power. So there's nice stories about Malcolm. And there's hardly any stories about Bill Shorten because they think that they've got that Malcolm Turnbull's got Bill Shorten's number, and maybe he has. Maybe he has. Because, see, what politics has been reduced to in this country, and this is the issue, it's been reduced to a contest, a contest between two people, the leader of the opposition and the leader of the government. It's not about policies. It's about wrapping. It's about window dressing. And obviously, Malcolm is a much more attractive window dressing than Tony Abbott will ever be. So we have the Murdoch media saying things are fine, not talking too much about Tony and uh, his faction within the Liberal Party. And then we've got the, the Fairfax media taking a different tack. Now, they're... Very happy to see Malcolm Turnbull in office because he's the type of Prime Minister they like. A man with a soft touch who's happy to keep pumping out these pro-corporate agenda. Happy to be pumping out the deregulation garbage, the globalisation crap, the privatisation nausea and the globalisation, you know, um, who knows what. He's happy to keep pumping it. They're happy to keep pumping it out because although the voice has changed and the approach has changed, the policies haven't changed. And although we will see in the next few months a more humane attitude to asylum seekers and we may even see the question of marriage equality come back on the agenda, when it comes to issues which affect everybody, not just sections of the community, the policies are the same. And what they're hoping... So we see the, the Fairfax media playing the shortened card. 
Now, Mr. Bill Shorten may have been, may or may not have been involved, you know, in some bodgy trade union activities at some particular point in time. But in comparison to the corruption that occurs in the corporate sector, what's actually been happening in the trade union movement is insignificant, minuscule, insignificant and minuscule in terms of the impact it actually has on society as a whole. So instead of having a Royal Commission into Corporate Corruption, instead of having a Royal Commission into Corporate Tax Minimisation, instead of having a Royal Commission to the taxation system, what we've got is a politically inspired, and everything is politically inspired obviously, Royal Commission the Trade Union Movement, in order to get rid of a community-based opposition group, and that's the trade unions. So that's the story. So on the one hand, we have the Murdoch media, happy to have Bill Shorten as opposition leader because they think Turnbull's got his number. And on the other hand, we have the Fairfax media that's putting you know, all their efforts into uh, destroying not Bill Shorten but the ALP. Look, not that I particularly care one way or another, but I think the important thing to remember is what is going on. Because we are told that we have independent media in this country. We don't have independent media in this country. The Anarchist world this week isn't independent. We've never claimed to be independent. The difference between us and the Fairfax media and the, and the news corporations, they claim to be bias-free and independent, which is a load of garbage. I mean, they are political animals. They're social animals. They're political animals. Their major role is to create ever-increasing profit for profits for their shareholders. Whether they do it through a softly, softly approach or a hard approach, you know, depends on what they think will uh, reap them a benefit. And that's the key. All media is biased in one way or another. There is no such thing as bias three media. The difference between us and them is that we tell you that we are biased towards political, social, cultural movements which promote equality. We are biased towards political, social and cultural movements which want to share the Commonwealth. We are biased towards political, social and cultural movements which want to devolve power. So we are biased. We don't tell you that we're not biased. So if you listen to the Anarchist World this week, you know what you're getting. It's a little bit like trawling the net and finding you know, an opinion which coincides with yours. Now, obviously, there are people who listen to the Anarchist World this week, you know, in a state of flux in terms of their opinions. They listen, make up their own mind. But you'll never hear me say, I'm totally non-biased, like the corporate media. So we need to remember that the corporate media has an agenda. It has an agenda. The privately owned media has an agenda. And that agenda is to maintain the status quo. That agenda is to ensure the laws that are now in place, the social norms which exist, the cultural attitudes that we take that promote their interests continue to be in place. And obviously any growing or emerging political, social and cultural movement which challenges these orthodoxies will get a pillorine. And that's their role. That's their role. So here we have the Murdoch media 
and the Fairfax media, in their own way, both working towards the re-election of a Liberal National Party government at the end of next year, unless the polls get really good and Malcolm Turnbull decides to go early, which I doubt. Now, I feel a little bit of... Well, I don't actually feel any sympathy, but uh, I can understand Mr Turnbull's position. On the one hand, he's trying to promote a more cultural, social, friendly Liberal Party agenda. But the Liberal Party has always been an amalgam of social conservatives and uh, radical economists. And in terms of radical economists, I'm talking about economists, you know, economic forces who believe in the total deregulation of the marketplace and allowing the corporate sector to basically behave as it likes. So the leopard hasn't changed its spots. All you had to do was look at what happened to the Prime Minister at the New South Wales Party Conference, where he basically he was held down by his own party. So one of these two men will go before the next federal election. If Malcolm Turnbull's fortunes sink, he will go. And I don't expect his fortunes to sink while the corporate media dances the same jig. I do expect Shorten to go within the next six months, although it's a little bit more cumbersome process, because Shorten is becoming a liability, not because of who he is, but he's becoming a liability because as far as the corporate-owned media is concerned is he's not the type of person they want as Prime Minister. Now, the Herald Sun believes that if Shorten remains as the leader of the opposition, that Turnbull will trounce him and possibly get a majority in the Senate and then we'll see Turnbull being removed and maybe Abbott or somebody like Abbott back in power you know, to... Uh, reapply their uh, hard-lined deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation agenda. While the age, you know, is playing a different game where they're putting pressure on the ALP and Shorten in the hope that Shorten will be removed. So it's all very dull. It's not that interesting. But I think the important thing out of this is never think that the privately owned Media does not have a bias. Never think that. Because their ultimate aim is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders. How they do that, how they approach a, a, uh, an issue in society is dependent on that mantra. You listen to the Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, I never, never ceased to be amazed by the lack of understanding among Australians about how this society works. I mean, I'm finding... Over the years, I'm having to do the work, basically, of a socially conservative and politically conservative people. Now, if you go out there today and you ask somebody about the public good, 
in the majority of cases, nine out of ten cases, they'll look at you. They will look at you blankly. The public could. If you went out 40 years ago and asked people the same questions, you'd have nine out of ten people say, knowing what the public good was. But today, during the 40 years of the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution that has swept this country, what we have seen is a total transformation in the thinking of individuals and groups and organisations within the society, where the concept of the public good has ceased to exist as a social, cultural or political entity. Ceased to exist. Doesn't exist. It's all about private wealth. And this has been achieved in a number of ways. One, by having taxation laws which benefit people who buy property. So today, in a nation of 25 million men, women and children, over 1 million Australians own a second home which they claim taxation benefits from through negative gearing. So that's the first big revolution. Well, we have a maybe, what, 10% of the population? Well, less than 10%. 5% of the population who see that their fortunes are intrinsically linked to the fortunes of corporate capitalism. Then we have an increasing number of people who are involved in the stock market. Now, the the greatest single revolutionary change that has occurred in this country in the last 40 years is the introduction of superannuation, not in terms of providing benefits for people in terms of their old age, but in terms of providing capital for the Australian and the world stock markets. So inadvertently, a huge numbers of Australians' futures are tied up in the very organisations which exploit their labour, the stock market. And we are seeing people who are, have above average incomes, and we're talking about 30% of the popular working population, 25, about 25% of the working population, whose futures in old age are guaranteed through the stock markets. So this concept of the public good for all becomes an outdated concept in the minds of about 25% of the population. It's outdated because through the private sector, they're actually able to finance their retirement. They can finance uh, private education. They can finance private medical care. So we have seen an increasing number of people incorporated into the capitalist system and benefiting it through that corporation. So there's this change of attitude, the tsunami 
in change of attitude. Well, on the other hand, we have about 75% of the population who find themselves to be victims of this deregulation, and I hate to repeat it again, but I need to, deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, revolution. We have all those wage earners who basically are not in a position to save, who basically earn enough to pay the bills and look after their families. And then we have, that's about 35% of the population, about 40% of the population. And then we have the 35% of the population, which rely on social security benefits to survive, who are finding it increasingly difficult to meet their financial commitments and get the very basics. And that goes for the other 40% who, you know, who are working, who find themselves in a position where they're working and usually two people you know, in a household or two or three people in a household are working in order to meet their financial commitments. So we've got this divide between 75 and 25% of the population. It's a real divide and the division is getting greater. Under every statistical analysis, the gap between the haves and the have-nots is increasing. But it's increasing in a number of ways where we forget that the principal role of revolutions during the 20th century was to force the state to take up the responsibility of looking after the citizens. And what we've seen over the last 40 years is a powerful political and social movement and cultural movement which has put the private sector before the public sector. So the concept of the public good no longer exists. So what is this concept of the public good? Well, the public good is that when when policies are introduced, when laws are introduced, they're introduced for the benefit of all, not just sectional interests. So a public health sector is about ensuring that all people living on this continent have access to a basic standard of medical and health care. That's what public health is about. Public education is about ensuring that all children have access to a decent decent education. Public infrastructure is about ensuring that all Australians have access to essential infrastructure. So what we have seen is the concept of the public good wiped out of the historical memory and our current political, social and cultural debates. It's all about the good of the individual, but more importantly, the welfare of the individual who has wealth and exercises power. So we find ourselves in a country today 
where those who have more receive more, while those who need more receive less. It's very simple. This is not complex. They tell us politics is complex. It is not complex. It is very simple. All you've got to look is at the laws which you now have in place, which allow large corporations, both nationally owned and transnationally owned, to pay voluntary taxation. Legally. That's the key. Legally. We have even uh, organisations run by Mr Murdoch who receive tax refunds of $886 million in September, August 2013 while making billions of dollars of profit. Legally. L-E-G-A-L-L-Y. We have people with millions of dollars making more than a million dollar income from their superannuation every year, having extraordinary tax benefits legally while people earning minimal amounts who will never be able to have enough retirement funds in order to you know, pay for their retirement, actually having government support removed. We have a situation where legally hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars is pumped into the private education sector while the public education sector is asked to do with second, third, fourth best. All done legally. We have a public health system which struggles to provide the essential services for an increasing number of Australians, while we have a private health sector which is subsidised through a $5 billion contribution to private health insurance corporations every year from the Australian taxpayer. And the list goes on and on. Corporate welfare, that's right, Corporate welfare is the single most important issue that you and I and every other person in this country faces today. Because for every dollar that is lost to taxation revenue by corporate-friendly taxation laws which are passed by politicians who are frightened the corporate-owned media, you know, will denigrate them who are frightened, you know, of not having the support of the corporate-owned media or to a lesser degree the government guild at ABC, we find ourselves in this situation because we, that's right, we, most Australians, have believed that the way to prosperity and security is by allowing corporate Australia basically to do what it likes. And we are now reaping the benefits, in inverted commas. So forget about the 1%. Bullshit. Talk about the 75-25% divide. That's much a much more realistic assessment of the situation we find ourselves in. Because there are never... Will we be able to, through a corporate capitalist system, 
actually be able to provide for the needs of 100% of the people of this country. Because corporate capitalism is about removing resources and wealth from that 75% and ensuring that it remains in the hands of the 25%. Obviously, there are super rich people who are above that equation, the 1%. But that 1% are actually able to maintain their power through legislative, uh, through laws, which actually allow 20, 25% of the population to actually enrich themselves at the expense of all other Australians. So the concept of the public good is no longer an important, an important issue in Australian society. And it is our job, that's right, it is our job to make that an issue. It is our job to ensure that it is an issue. It is important that we continue to make sure it's an issue. And that's why public interest before corporate interest was established. And it's not the type of thing you'd think, you know, you know, a radical anarchist would be involved in. But we have come to such a situation in society today that even the most basic reform is somehow considered to be a radical attack on the power and the wealth of the corporate sector, and it is. Because in order to look after the needs of all people living on this continent, in order to look after that need, everybody needs to contribute, not just 75% of the population. We need to get rid of corporate welfare. We need to ensure the corporate sector pays tax so that it can be used to cross-subsidise the health, welfare and education of the majority of people. That's what we need. That's what public interest before corporate interest is about. It's about changing the mindset. It's about creating political opportunities and social opportunities and cultural opportunities where the concept of the public good outweighs the concept of sectional, corporate, individual interests. That's what it's about. Now, public interest before corporate interest is growing from strength to strength. We've, all, we've got over 250 members now. We will continue to grow over the next few months. And hopefully by February next year, we'll be registered as a federal political party. But it's not just about registering public interest before corporate interest as a political party, because obviously that is a, a track many organisations have gone down before. Public interest before corporate interest is about raising the issue of the public good in the mind of Australians, making it the number one predominant issue. Because what's the point of living in a society with only some benefit? That's what it's about. Who benefits? How they benefit? And yes, we are a threat. Public interest before corporate is a threat to corporate Australia. 
We are a threat to corporate Australia. We are a threat to the current political structures. Now, if you're interested in joining, go to the website, pibsy.net, or go to the Facebook page. Just put public interest before corporate interest. Hey, bingo, you can join tomorrow. You can join today. Now, there are branches across Melbourne, and we're looking to establish branches across Australia. You know, you've been sitting in your little corner, you've been, you know, filing your nails, painting your nails, cutting your toenails, going, oh, woe is me, nothing is possible, nothing will ever change. Human existence is about change. Change occurs constantly. Change is possible. It's painful. It takes energy. It takes effort. It's not just about clicking a button, you know, on an internet site. Change takes effort and energy. So if you do want to get involved, think about joining public interest before corporate interest. Think about organising a public meeting in your neck of the woods. Think about, think about forming a branch. Because what we hope to achieve is by the end of 2016, the debate will not be about more corporate power. It'll be about less corporate power. The debate will be about the public good, public interest. The debate will be turned around and it'll be turned around by people like you and me who are willing to put their heads above the parapet, who are willing to put their hands up and say, enough is enough. And that's the situation we find ourselves in. Enough is enough. Enough deregulation. And what does deregulation mean? And I'll go through it again and again and again and again. Deregulation is about removing laws which protect the interests of working people and people and social security benefits in this country. That's what it's about. It's about allowing the corporate sector, the rich and powerful, to do what they like without any legal inhibitions. What is corporatisation? Very simple. You go out, buy anything, service goods, and you will notice that in the landscape, that it's a few large corporations which dominate economic activity, whether it's hardware, whether it's food sales, whether it's food production, whether it's fast food, and the list goes on and on. You go into one of those temples of consumption, those malls which dot the landscape across Australia and see how many independent small shops you see. And although small business tends to think of their employees as the enemy, the reality is the primary enemy of small business is large corporations which, one, have the market power to dominate the marketplace and bankrupt small business, but more importantly, small business which pays taxation cannot compete against large corporations which legally pay minimal, if no, taxation. And that's a Huge issue. The fact that the small business sector aligns itself with the corporate sector, thinking that one day, one day, one day, they'll be as big as the garbage. That's what corporatisation is about. 
you go to any shopping centre and see the number of independent shops. Obviously, they still exist in strip shopping centres, but even in that situation, their numbers are decreasing. You try to find an independent hardware store, you won't find it. Even in the pizza business, we've got publicly listed pizza companies that are dominating that business. That's what corporatisation is about. When corporations are allowed to flourish and form and destroy local business, globalisation. Well, it's simple. It's a big word, isn't it? G-L-O-B-A-L-I-S-A-T-I-O-N. You know, you think, oh, globalisation, I'm going to... What's that? What's that? That's terrible. It's simple. It's simple. It means that you sacrifice your economic independence for a bit more money. It means when you, you know you know, join these three trade agreements that you lose power over your economy. For example, the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, you know, whether it'll be passed or not, who knows. But if it's passed, it's very simple. It creates a climate where labour can be brought in and displace local labour. Very simple. And more importantly, it creates a climate where you can create special economic zones. You like that? Special economic zones to develop a region where you bring in cheap overseas labour, freeze out local labour, build what you've got to build, and then move that labour back overseas. We see it in the Middle East, in every Middle Eastern country. We see exploited workers being brought across from Bangladesh, Pakistan, India... Burma, the Philippines, and the list goes on and on, who actually provide the muscle and the sweat and the blood to create these mega metropolises. And that's what our free trade agreements will eventually lead to, these special economic zones and a flooding of a country by not just skilled labour but any type of labour. Puts downward pressure on wages, makes sure wages are low, you know, and uh, destroys what's left of... uh, a rapidly shrinking trade union movement. That's what globalisation is about. It's about opening your borders, not to refugees, but opening your borders to transnational corporations and giving them the power to usurp the power of parliament legally. So if you want to pass legislation to protect the interests of your citizens and some foreign corporation or transnational corporation, whether it's foreign-owned or locally-owned, profits are impinged by that legislation. For example, you want to transfer money from taxation into the public health sector. If it somehow it, uh, it will transgress on the profits of a multinational corporation who's involved in healthcare, well, then they can sue that government for the loss of those profits plus a bit extra. That's what it's about. That's what globalisation is about. And the last one, privatisation, well, we've seen it. The Commonwealth Bank, the SEC, the Gas and Fuel, uh, Telstra, and the list goes on and on. We were told, we were told that if you sell poorly run public assets which are making a profit which goes into the coffers your prices will decrease what a laugh every time some essential service has been privatized bingo prices go up but more importantly what it does when you destroy a mixed economy which is based on 
public enterprise and privately owned enterprise, when you remove the public owned enterprise, it allows the privately owned enterprises, which are dominated by a handful of corporations, to dominate the marketplace and maintain their profitability by creating, you know, cartels. Simple word for cartel, you know, working together to ensure that uh, they continue to make the profits they make. Simple. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australian Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scott. I'm hosting today's program. Now, I'd just like to remind you of a few things. Now, those of you who live in Victoria, we're holding a memorial gathering on midday on Wednesday, the 28th of October, at three outside the ACC office at 360 Elizabeth Street in Melbourne to honour Valerie Park, a member of the Wednesday Action Group. I'll speak more about that uh, next week. But uh, put it in your diary, midday, 28th of October. On the 8th of November, we will be going at 10am to the Murchison Cemetery in regional Victoria. We invite you to uh, join us to uh, honour Francesco Fantine, an anarchist who was murdered by fascists in uh, 1842 in Camp Loveday in South Australia, who's uh, buried with many other people at the Murchison uh, Cemetery in, uh, in an ostry there. And uh, we go there every year at 10am. I mean, there are other activities which occur on the day because there are many people buried in that ossuary, but we pay our respects to Francesco Fantin and then go down to the riverbank for a picnic. It's a great Sunday. Uh, if you can make it, great. Look it up on the website. Go to Q7461 and uh, you'll see it on the website or go to the Anarchist Institute website, anarchistmedia.org, or give us a call and we'll tell you all about it. 0439 395 489. Don't forget Eureka Day in Ballarat. 4am to 10pm, I'll speak more about that in the next few weeks, uh, in Ballarat, 4am to 10pm, it's a great day, uh, people from all over Australia come, uh, we reclaim the radical spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebration to the chagrin of uh, the residents of Ballarat, I mean, you know, to us, uh, Eureka isn't just some, you know, commercial enterprise which you take on your name to make a buck, Eureka is real, the Eureka Rebellion was about internationalism, it was about solidarity, it was about direct democracy and it was about direct action. These are concepts which are dear to the hearts of many anarchists. Now, don't forget that the West Papuan independence movement, uh, we are involved in the West Papuan... Uh, I'm the national convener or coordinator for the West Papuan Rent Collective. Uh, it's going from strength to strength. We need new members. Now, if you want to do something to annoy... Annoy the Australian-Indonesian government as well as the opposition, the best thing you can do is join the West Papuan Rent Collective. I know for a fact that the Indonesian consulate in Melbourne is quite concerned about the fact that uh, the West Papuan Independence Movement has an office in this in, in Australia and this office has been used to organise activities to promote West Papuan independence across the world. It's actually in uh, the Melbourne CBD in uh, Docklands, in Collins Street, great address. The Rent Collective pays the rent. If you want to join the Rent Collective, it's a dollar a day, not much, a dollar a day. So if you want to join the Rent Collective, you know, you can ring us on 0439 395 489 or you can write to me at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052 or you can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. It's a dollar a day, a great way to cause a lot of consternation and promote an independence movement that needs to be 
promoted in this country. So uh, join the West Papuan Rent Collective, get part, get involved in the activities of the West Papuan Movement. There are three or four activities every year for members of the West Papuan Rent Collective. Great gatherings, usually on a Sunday. The next one is on the 13th of uh, December. So become a member of the Rent Collective and get involved in something that's a little bit bigger than yourself and which is having an immediate impact. And that's the thing about getting involved in the activities which we support through the Anarchism Institute is you have immediate impact on society. Now, look at PIBSI, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, launched as an AMI initiative, but now an independent organisation which is aiming not only to be registered as a political party, but aiming to create, change people's attitude to what is the public interest, change people's attitude to how to finance a proper public health system, public education, public infrastructure, public services, and the list goes on and on. So if you want to join PIBSI, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, go to their website, pibsi.net, P-I-B-C-I, don't forget the .net, pibsi.net, download the application for read it, read it. If you like it, join. If you don't like it, well, it's your choice. Uh, now, Pipsy's got a number of actions, which are regular actions, which I'd like to uh, like to support and, and encourage people to go to, whether you're a Pipsy member or not. Every Thursday from 10 a.m. to midday, Pipsy members uh, congregate outside the Centrelink office and the office of the federal member for Frankston, Mr Bruce Bilson, 21 Davies Street in Frankston. Talk to the people around them, you know, talk about the public interest, try to change political attitudes, get people to join public interest before corporate interest. That's the Pipsy Frankston branch. The Pipsy Hastings branch from this Saturday... At 10.30am, we'll be meeting at Main Street opposite at the National Australia Bank corner there. There's a tree and some seats, and they'll be involved in activities to actually promote the concept of the public interest before corporate interest to the people of Hastings. Now, you can do exactly the same thing. There's a Pipsy Melbourne North branch, which meets regularly, again, at the Jika Jika Community Centre. Go to the website. You can see where... uh, Everybody meets. But the thing is, this is an umbrella group which brings together people who believe in the public interest, who believe that the role of government is to provide for everybody, not just sectional interests, and this is what we have today. So it's about improving public health. It's about improving public education. It's about improving public safety. It's about improving public infrastructure. It's about ensuring that those who exercise power and wealth are no longer able to exercise that power and wealth to benefit them, that the Commonwealth should belong to all Australians and power should be devolved so everybody can be involved in the decision-making processes. Sound a bit radical? Well, it is. No apologies. Join Pipsy today. Become part of a growing political, social and cultural movement. You're listening to this program in New South Wales, Queensland, Northern Territory, West Australia, South Australia, Tasmania, the ACT. This is your chance to form a branch in your part of the world because this is a national organisation that has a national agenda to put public interests before corporate interests. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Scarum, hosting today's program. 
Okay, let's move on. Now, we find ourselves, as I said before, in interesting times. And they're interesting because the pendulum is starting to swing back. When the Liberal National Party has to put somebody in power who they treat with derision because they know that they can't get their you know, non-people-friendly policies imposed on us. They know that. So they need to change the wrapping on the paper. We have reached the we the pendulum is starting to swing back and while the pendulum is starting to swing back is the best time to get involved in political, social and cultural activity, not just electoral politics, but extra parliamentary politics. It is it is it is for us. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the ones who will change that political, social and cultural agenda. You can't rely on the bureaucracy to do it for you. You can't rely on the opposition parties to do it for you. You can't rely on the government of the day to do it for you. You can't rely on the government-gilded ABC to do it for you. You can't rely on the corporate-owned media to do it for you. If you want change, you have to become involved. We are the people we've been waiting for. For far too long... In 21st century Australia, activism has been about groaning and moaning and complaining and pressing a button. Click, 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 click. Clicking doesn't change anything. It's ephemeral. What changes things is feet on the ground. It doesn't matter whether you stand on a street corner with a sign saying, pay your taxes, Murdoch. The fact that you stand on that street corner with that sign and are actually able to communicate with people who go past you has a more profound impact than surfing the net, you know, and creating some ephemeral space. I know, it sounds like heresy, doesn't it? Sounds like heresy. It sounds like saying the emperor has no clothes. What it has. What have I seen? through so-called internet democracy, click activism. People's prejudice being reinforced, less debate, less discussion, and more importantly, less activity. It's as if if we get involved in the virtual world that somehow, somehow things will change in the real world. Sometimes, you know, you've got a pyrrhic victories. But the reality is nothing changes unless you become involved. It's very simple. It's a simple concept. For, since time immemorial, it has been that small group of people who've had an idea and have worked with that idea that have changed the world, whether it's the abolishment of slavery whether it's the ability of people to, with different religious persuasions to live in the same, you know, in the same community, whether it's not having a religious opinion. You know, that's came, those ideas came from small groups of people believing that that is the way we should go forwards. And 
It's those small groups of people who act as the catalyst for change. If you look at Australia 40 years ago, you look at Australia today, you will see that catalyst for change has moved, and it's moved from the hands of the individual and organisations into the hands of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to make ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. Think about it. You can sit on the sidelines, you can become involved. There's a lot of things we are involved in, you can become involved in. Anything we do is of no interest to you. Form your own organisation. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. You can uh, access material and information by going to anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org, download the... uh, Eureka posters, download every other poster that's up there. Download the information, pretend it's yours, send it to your friends, send it to your enemies. Go to the podcast site, 3cr.org, listen to the podcast, send it around the world. We don't care. Pretend it's yours. No copyright. If you, Maybe if you acknowledge the source, it would be useful, but you don't really have to acknowledge the source. Pretend it's all your ideas. That's what I do. Uh, uh, you can write to us at yes. People do write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Unlike the government guild at ABC, we do give out a postal address. We do receive letters. 30% of the population is not internet savvy and is not interested in the net. They've been excluded now from all decision-making process. Write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And if you're game, leave a message on 0439 395 489. Go to the Pipsy website, pipsy.net. Download the application form. Go to the Facebook page. Yes, we love the internet. But, you know, it's interesting. Although we've got all these internet sites, Twitter accounts, YouTube accounts, you know, internet pages, you know when we have the most effect is when we meet people on the streets, eye to eye, public meetings seem to have the most effect. So it looks like the old ways are the best ways. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week broadcast on the Community Radio Network. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, next week, on your local community radio station. That's it. We're gone. We're about to fly out the door. The cows have come home. They've they've been re-educated. They're our friends. They're going to work with us to destroy the world and create a new cow-friendly world. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. My name is Joseph Toscano. Remember that podcast site, 3cr.org.au. Thank you to the people at the Community Radio Network for broadcasting The Anarchist World this week across the country through multiple community radio stations. Evil minds that plot destruction construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.